some pretty big wet firecrackers in all of this. But let's start with the takeaway. Your new mayor is Olivia Chow. She is slated to be in studio this morning. Now, depending on the vagaries of the schedule she's keeping and how she's getting around, she may end up being on the telephone, but we're very much hoping that she will be in studio. But she's taking her victory lap today, and then the tough work begins. She will be... um, She'll, you know, swear her oath of office on the 12th of July, and that is a week before another sitting of council where they're going to have to get some stuff done. It's not like we stopped doing business at Toronto City Hall when John Tory left, but, you know, you couldn't have an interim mayor being all radical and coming up with brand new policies while an election campaign was happening. But now we have Olivia Chow. And here with some insight on that and other stories, it's time for the Morning Brief. Tim Hudak is here, former leader of Ontario's Conservatives, now with the Ontario Real Estate Association. Good morning, Tim. Good morning, John Moore. All right. Your new mayor is Olivia Chow. Yeah, well, congratulations to Mayor Chow. We look forward to hearing her on your program. I, I got to say, I, I think a, a very, a very successfully um, smart uh, run uh, campaign. Uh, to um, it was definitely the best version I can think of in recent memory of a classic front runner campaign. That you stay out of trouble, a lot of platitudes, a lot of themes, not a lot of specifics. She did a very good job of not getting into the fray and taking the bait of those candidates that wanted to get her off of her message. But I think it was even more than that. I, I don't think a successful front-runner campaign alone uh, could have achieved the victory that was uh, achieved here with 37% of the vote. So she, I think, uniquely among candidates, seemed to tap into a, a chain sentiment. I think despite John Tory's significant election, re-election, win not that long ago, it appears to me there was a building momentum for change, a shift in the approach uh, at City Hall, and Olivia Chow very successfully tapped into that to secure the win, and congratulations to her for that. Okay, do you think that we need to sort of, you know, moving forward, that people are going to hold sessions and talk about presumed wisdom? Because, for example, Olivia Chow said she was going to have to raise taxes, wouldn't say by how much. Um, There's a certain cohort in this town that thinks anybody who runs from the last is poison, but she ultimately prevailed. Um, Then you get into, well, I want a mayor who actually is honest about what they're going to do. Olivia Chow's platform was pretty foggy. Very much so, and, and success, again, successfully so. She she was a, a storyteller. I think she came uh, across as very likable. Uh, well, many of us, including myself, were, were driven by you know crime and the plague of homelessness taking over the parks and the subway system. Uh, she talked about uh, affordability, but I, I think overall that um, it was it was tone friendly, uh, approachable. Familiarity helped out of the gate with name recognition, but I, I do think she tapped into need for change across the city as a whole that helped her to sustain that that lead and in fact to grow you know her percent uh, of the vote what's also interesting here too John is um, is the redemption story and we often forget because that John Tory was a very successful city of Toronto mayor but he too had a series of losses before getting there right he lost his first mayoral run uh, he lost as a provincial member of Parliament stepped down as Ontario PC party leader was rejuvenated and 
and rehabilitated at News Talk 1010. Indeed. There you go, before the big comeback. And it'll be shown similarly uh, after having a, what, almost, I think, 29-year um, history since being a trustee in 1985. Also had a couple of losses, both as mayor and as MP, uh, and now is the comeback kid, just like your predecessor, John Tory. Anything else stand out for you amongst the uh, the other candidates? I mean, there are the, the fringe candidates and the amount of votes that they got. Molly the dog, 593 votes. Well, I- yeah, I, I'm going to miss all this. I mean, I feel yeah. like, uh, what's his name? Robert Duvall is the general character on the beaches of Apocalypse Now and sniffing one of the days all this is going to be over. Uh, it was fun uh, to watch. Um, I, I think, number one, you mentioned Molly the dog. I, I think we have to have a Molly the dog rule. If you could not beat the canine, if you could not beat the four-legged creature, John, no business running again. So what, the dog came 19th? Anybody 20 or over? Banned. No more runs. You can't beat the dog. Observation number one. Number two, best campaigns, Olivia Chow by her victory. I'd like to learn more about their campaign and who ran it. Anthony Fury, I thought, did very well coming yep. out of nowhere to a solid fourth uh, place. And Anna Bailao positioned herself very well. And I think a lot of folks will be saying, what if John Tory had endorsed even four or five days earlier? Because she sure had momentum as she closed. And uh, the worst campaign is Brad Bradford, by far. I think ran too young, too early, came across as too earnest and therefore insincere. And I think Chief Saunders disappointed. That's where my vote was going to go. But at the end, like many of my neighbors, I said I'd rather vote for the stop chow candidate. And I ended up casting my ballot for Anna Baila. David Johnston handed in his final report and uh, ending with a whimper, not a bang, definitely. Because I don't, even, I don't know if anybody's even paying attention anymore. Yeah. I, I shake my head over this. I, yeah. A lot of admiration for, for David Johnson in his career as a, as a public servant, as an academic uh, leader. And it, it shows uh, that in life sometimes you just hang up the skates, John, you walk off the stage, and you don't come back. This is a story of, of hubris. And it's hard to say this about somebody uh, of, of his advanced age and experience, but, but naivete. Like how he could not see that train coming down the tracks that no single human being in Canada could have been trusted to be the judge and jury and to say, trust me, I'll get to the bottom of this and I'll fix it myself when it came to Chinese election efforts. This is a no-win situation. And it should have been obvious to him that any ties he had to the current government would be exploited for political gain to undermine whatever work he did. And uh, as you've done, this whole notion of a special rapporteur was an instant punchline. So I, 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 I get angry and saddened both that David Johnson would walk into that trap and not see it and have the hubris to believe that he could walk along water. Goes out with a whimper, but sad to say, and deservedly so. So uh, schools in British Columbia are going to do away with letter grading. You know, I was just talking about this earlier in the half hour. I was part of an experimental school system in the 1970s, and even I wasn't buying it. <laughs> you too, eh? I, 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 we actually lived in, believe it or not, in British Columbia when I was when I was young, and it was uh, we were I was put into an experimental school system. So that explains you and I, John Moore. Look what can happen when you mainstream meddle in the rebels. Yeah. Oh man, our ours actually they put uh, kids of different grades in the school, thinking that would somehow uh, be helpful. And, and I reacted terribly to it. I was a shy kid. I wouldn't talk to anybody till after Christmas time. It was intimidating how these big kids look. BC leads in this department. I. Do not think I look forward to my daughter running home, report card clutched in hand, saying I got straight E's, right? It'd be it's meaningless. I, I think this takes away from a, a culture of actually making a report cards meaningful that parents can read into how their kids did. I like the system of our letter grades. I know what they mean. Our kids know what they mean. You can connect it over time. 
Mark should be out of 100 and, and have clarity on how you can improve. Interesting contrast between Ontario, which is taking more back-to-basics, cursive, phonics, yeah. more investment in the trades, literacy, and numeracy. I like that path forward rather than this kind of mishmash gray area coming out of British Columbia once again. I'm trying to remind myself as to how closely you follow the Raptors, but I have to say I like this uh, new guy, Grady Dick. He's a teenager. He's six foot eight, and he's got a lot of character. Sure does. Um, I, I'm a big basketball fan. My, my favorite uh, sport right next to Buffalo Bills to go and see. Love taking my, my girls there as well. Um, yet a charming, right, right out of the gate, when you see a lot of people get, get, uh, get drafted, um, they, they come across sometimes as, as uh, spoiled, almost kind of bratish, right? They go in negotiations around their contract, their expectations. Uh, this young man uh, charmed everybody on, on draft night and then visiting Toronto, saying all the right things, posing uh, with fans. I guess a bonus we don't talk about the kid coming from Kansas. He is 19, so he can drink in the province of Ontario. <laughs> bonus for this guy. But I look forward to seeing his talent on the court. Raptors needed a three-point uh, gunner. And uh, welcome, Grady Dex, to the city of Toronto. Thank you, sir. Good to have you this morning. Have a great day. Tim Hudak with the first, uh, I guess we could say, external take on last night's election results.